Hello, and welcome to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, aka Nomad Neeks, and this podcast is the place to be if you are looking to start creating a lifestyle that you love. From business, entrepreneurship, travel, starting and sustaining a digital nomad lifestyle, and of course, making money online and investing, we talk about all of it here. So let's dive into it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. In today's episode, I sit down with Danielle. She is an award-winning entrepreneur and founder of Virtual Assist USA. She has been in the entrepreneurial online business space for quite some time. And many years ago, before a lot of us got online during COVID, she started her business as a virtual assistant agency, and she has grown and scaled that over the last decade. And this episode is really interesting to hear her story and what that growing, scaling within her business looked like. But also, of course, we chat about the fine details of VA being a VA, having a VA, when you know that you may need a VA, how to pick the right VA. So if you are looking to either become a VA or to hire a VA, this is absolutely the episode for you. I know I keep saying VA and now I'm getting annoyed listening to myself saying VA so often. So we're just going to dive into the episode. Please feel free to leave a review below and let me know what you thought was insightful or useful in your business journey about this episode. Let's dive into it. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me today on the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. I am so looking forward to our discussion and what that is going to entail today. But before we dive into things on the business front, let's dive into your story, where you started, how you got started, what that looks like, and then how your life looks today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, So my story started um, in 2008. I had um, recently had received my MBA and I was working in IT consulting. In my mind, everything was was going great. Um, It was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in corporate America um, and sort of climb up that ladder, if you will. And then if you recall, that was the start of the Great Recession. And so um, my company ended up laying off my entire department. And I thought it was just the worst day um, of my life. I couldn't believe that I had lost this dream job. What was I going to do next? Um, I especially had all this student loan debt that I had just completed. And it wasn't a great time to be looking for a job. It was, um, you know, there weren't a lot of people that were hiring. The economy was really bad. And so it was really a, a really low point. And I took um, a few days to sort of feel sorry for myself. And then I decided that I really wanted to take things into my own hands. It was really um, the start of the virtual assistant industry, something that people were just starting to talk about, working remotely, um, you know, working from home, people starting their own businesses, that sort of thing was was popular at that time because a lot of people were in a similar situation as I was. And so I thought, I'm just going to start this business. I'm going to give myself six months to, you know, get it off the ground, replace my salary, essentially. And if I don't do it, I'm just going to go back to, to corporate America. So I hadn't had um, like the lifelong dream of being an entrepreneur. It wasn't what I thought my, my path was going to be. 
Uh, and then almost immediately, the business just took off. And so at the end of the six months, I had almost quadrupled what I was making in my previous job. I had employees. It had grown exponentially way faster than I could have imagined or probably even could have planned for. And then that 15 years later is here. Here we are now. What a journey that's been. I have so many questions within you saying that, but I'm going to start the first question by, so you said that the business really just took off almost immediately. So what would you attribute to the success of that taking off? Um, was that your, maybe just your dedication? Was that people needing the work? Was that your setting up of systems? What really helped it take off so quickly in your eyes? Yes. So I would love to say that it was uh, my dedication. However, this was something that was not at all planned. Uh, and so I'm typically planner and I love to have everything laid out. And because this wasn't something that I had thought about long term or even you know had experience in starting a business, I didn't have any of that. So for me, I think it was definitely about the right time in the industry and you know, getting on um, at that early onset of virtual assistants and then doing really quality work that just helped us to get a lot of referrals. And that's what really, you know, um, catapulted that that growth. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's amazing. You know, I, I think now I'm curious, you mentioned this was around 2008, maybe a few years later. What was the virtual assistant industry? What did that look like? I feel like since 2020, that has there's definitely been a boom in that industry, but what did it look like yeah. back then? And was there a demand for that? Was there a demand for working online? What did that online kind of scope look like? Yeah. So what was really interesting um, about that time is that the other virtual assistant that were in the industry were mostly doing it um, individually. They were working as freelancers. Um, they were doing it sort of part-time, maybe in the evenings on the weekends. Um, maybe it was a stay-at-home parent. A lot of people were doing this just for extra income. And so what I did that was a little bit different was set it up as an agency right away. So I hired everyone as employees instead of contractors. Everyone was full-time. And that was really enabling us to you know, deliver more services, have a broader skill set, be able to do things a lot faster and, and quicker for people than just doing, you know, having individuals doing it part-time. And so then uh, probably maybe four or five years later is when the rest of the industry sort of started catching up and becoming to do uh, the agency model. Um, but up until that point, it had mostly been individuals really freelancing. Hmm, that's so interesting. I love your insight on and I think that's really valuable because I think when people are starting out of a lot of a lot of the time, myself included, you think, okay, let's hire contractors, just kind of do what needs to be done in the beginning. And so I think that is really great insight on your part to see what the industry needs and where the industry is going to be going in the future. And then right off the bat, just hire based on what you see happening in the future and what you know that you're going to be needing. So what would you say now you mentioned that you didn't really have a lifelong dream of being an entrepreneur of having a business. So when you thought to yourself, okay, this is something maybe that I see a need for that I want to pursue. Where do you start if you maybe don't have any prior experience in starting a business, especially an online business? What did that look like for you? Were there resources? How did you navigate that? Yeah. So for me, 
I think the biggest and most important thing that I did was hire people right away that had the expertise in those areas and that were smarter than me in those areas and that knew what they were doing. So, and possibly because I hadn't planned on being an entrepreneur, there was like no ego involved. So basically I was in my mind, I was thinking, you know, I have this business idea. I want to provide these services. I want to hire the best people to provide these services and execute these things and help me with the operations of the business. I don't want to do it all myself because I think it's going to take me a really long time. I'm probably going to make a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, I need to get this off the ground quickly. And so that was, I would say, like the biggest secret sauce in the very beginning for me. Hey, hey, it's Nicole, your host. I wanted to pop into this episode super quickly to let you know if you have not already left a review on your favorite podcast platform, I would seriously appreciate it if you did. Leaving a review helps with the discoverability of the show. And if you want to support the show, that is the best way that you can do so. Thank you for leaving a review. I really do appreciate it. And let's hop back into the episode. You saying all this, I'm curious now, what does your day-to-day -day of running your business look like? Yeah, so um, now I'm really thankful to have a great leadership team. So it's myself, I have a COO, we have a director of employee engagement, and we have about six team leads um, that do a lot of that operations and, um, you know, running the teamwork. At this point, I pretty much do the client side. So I help uh, bring in new business. I get to, um, you know, set the vision for the company and talk about, you know, what we're going to do in the future, new lines that we're going to add and think about our, our strategy a lot. And I'm not in the really like nitty gritty day to day um, execution anymore. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing about being the, the CEO and the brains behind it all, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very fun. So if somebody's listening who is thinking, this is something, you know, starting a business, starting something online is something that I would like to do, or I have a skill set that I'm excellent at, but I don't know how to transition that into the online space. What advice would you give for somebody who is looking to start out uh, with your years of experience in industry and in online business? So I would say definitely to think about, you know, hiring and bringing on people that are experts in their field. It can be something that is you know, you're reluctant to do because it does cost money and it is an investment. But I think that the ROI that you get on that from not trying to do it yourself and making a lot of mistakes, um, not knowing the best practices, you know, not knowing the most efficient way to do things, it can really help you exponentially. And so finding that way in your budget to to bring on those people, I think is, is really important. Completely agree with that. And I like how you've mentioned a few times, you know, to hire people who are experts and who know what they're doing in their industry, because nobody can be one, especially yourself as the business owner. And I, I have experienced this too. You can't be an expert in everything. And I think right. that can be very common in the beginning is to say to yourself, I want to know how to do this and this and this and this. And it just adds up and you can't become an expert in all of those things. And the way I see it is I don't want to be an expert in all of those things. I want to hire one person who is an expert in one of those things to do the job well. For entrepreneurs, you know, you want to bootstrap your business. You're sort of, you know, scrappy coming up and wanting to save money where you can. And I think that's important, but I think it can be a mistake to kind of do it all yourself. Let's transition into the actual world of VA. So how do you know 
what it looks like and when you are actually ready in your business to hire a VA. What are some signs, signals to look out for? And then how can a VA help with that? So I think that there's a a really important um, distinction there. I think that a lot of people, a lot of business owners can use a VA. They might have a necessity for a VA. So I think there's a difference between saying, you know, how do you know when you need a VA? Many people might need a VA versus how do you know when you're ready to hire a VA? And so that's a really important distinction. And I think if you need a VA, but you hire one before you're ready, you're going to waste a lot of money, a lot of time. It's not going to be productive for you. It's probably going to be a really frustrating experience. So trying to talk people out of hiring a VA, of course, but I think it's important to know when you're ready. And so I think there's a few things. One, you have to be ready to let go of things. So I talked a little bit earlier about not having the ego. So you have to, there are people that can do this maybe better, faster, cheaper, more efficiently than you can, whatever that task or, or process might be. So I think realizing like, okay, I am going to hire an expert for this and it's not going to bruise my ego and it's not, you know, um, something that I'm going to, you know, feel like inferior about. It's more about, okay, I'm going to, to hire an expert for this. So you have to be willing to do that. You also have to be willing to either have systems in your business in place, you have systems and processes and standard operating procedure in place, or you're willing to let the VA create those for you. Um, so that's just really important just for efficiency sake and making sure that it's the most effective relationship with your VA. So you don't necessarily have to have all of your systems and processes in place before you hire a VA. But if you don't, you want to be willing to, to have the VA work for you and, and create those. And then the third thing is is time. So the purpose of hiring a virtual assistant is to give yourself time and you can spend that time doing other things, whether that's on your business or with, with loved ones. But you do have to be willing to take the time up front. So sort of front loading that time to communicate with the virtual assistant, um, talk about expectations, give feedback um, frequently, especially in the beginning, just to fine tune uh, the deliverables that they're giving you. You do have to take that time, you know, up front and building the relationship there. Um, and so you have to be willing to, to do that as well. In you saying that, I kind of have a bit of a follow-up question. So how do you know, and is there a way to know if you align with your VA. I feel like sometimes you maybe don't click with that person or you feel for some reason that they are not the right fit for you and your business. And then other times you totally just click right off the bat and you understand it and you can just go right to work. So have you experienced this with past VAs and clients that you work with? And then how can you mitigate this and maybe make it a little bit easier upfront? When you're hiring a virtual assistant, it's really easy to look at some of the practical considerations. So saying something like, um, I use um, MailChimp in my business as a platform and I use Asana. And so I want a VA that is an expert in MailChimp and Asana. And I work in the Eastern time zone, so I want a VA in the Eastern time zone. And those are all like really practical considerations and they're important. But it is a really personal relationship that you have with your VA. So you have to make sure that it's a personality match. This was a lesson I didn't learn until about five years ago. <laughs> so the first like 10 years of the business, I was just, you know, matching clients to VAs and getting them set up really based on like, okay, do you have the skill set? Do you have the availability? Like, let's go, go work with that client. And I realized about five years ago, it's really an important um, facet that it is a personality match and a working style match. So now we do things like personality testing, 
testing and disk assessments and work behavior assessments to understand like how the VAs work, who they work best with, and then again from the client side to match. So if you're not, you know, working with an agency that does that, it's just important to think about that on your own. So uh, how do you like to communicate? Are you someone that wants to get right down to business or do you want to get to know your VA um, on a more personal level? Do you prefer that your VA communicates with you every single step of the way through a process or a project? Or do you not want to be bothered and you just want to know when it's done? So those are some things like that are considerations. Those just are really working style nuances and, and personality nuances. It's not necessarily about the VA's skill set. So that's really important too. Uh, I, I like that you mentioned that you do the personality assessments and that really comes into play in the hiring process and the matching process, because I do think that's so important. So I like that's something that you see the importance and you address that within your clients. So now in you saying this onboarding, let's talk onboarding. It can be so overwhelming when you have a bunch of systems and processes in place and maybe not SOPs yet, or maybe SOPs we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah. But it can be very overwhelming to bring somebody else on when you've been in your business for probably years and you just know the workflow. So what does the onboarding look like and how does that relationship work between the client and the VA? Well, I think it's really important at the outset to to take that, that time to onboard. If you have processes and, and things in place already, that's wonderful. It makes it a lot easier. If you don't, you're going to have to work with the VA at the outset to to establish that. I think a few important considerations. One, setting expectations up front. And it doesn't have to be something where you want to be seen as, you don't want to be seen as a micromanager or really harsh. And so you don't want to set those expectations. I think conversely, um, speaking from the side of the VA, it's really important to be upfront about those. Like, for example, to say, I say that I need this on, you know, by Friday at five, like ideally when I say that, I mean, I really want it on Thursday morning. Um, and if I get it Friday at five, it's going to be okay, but it's going to throw my whole project off and it's, it's, and it's going to stress me out and, you know, things aren't going to work. So I think, you know, just being very clear about those things is really important throughout the onboarding process. And then also being secondarily, I would say being open so your virtual assistant, for example, if you're hiring a virtual assistant, that is your social media. And that virtual assistant is an expert in social media. You're not an expert in social media for the purposes of this example. You have to realize that if your virtual assistant is suggesting things like um, ways that you can automate different um, aspects of your social media or suggesting different engagement strategies or content strategies or different platforms that you might want to use just to make things more efficient, you don't have to take all of their suggestions, being open to hearing them. So if you're hiring a virtual assistant that has a specialized skill set, be open to hear what they have to say and suggest. And don't just shut it down immediately. You know, come from the perspective of this person is an expert in this area and I'm hiring them and paying them for this expertise. So I want to listen to them. In your specific agency, your VAs, are they one VA per kind of role, so per social media manager, one VA, or is it one VA who can kind of handle multiple roles? What have you found really works best? Yeah, I have found that it really works best to have VAs in specialty areas or what we like refer to as their genius zones. If something, again, just to use the social media as an example, that's a really um, nuanced specialty. It's something that is always changing. Best practices are always changing. Something that you really have to do, 
you know, 40 hours a week and do every day to be really good at it and really effective at it. And so I think then if you're working with someone that for social media, but you also want them to do your bookkeeping, for example, they can't possibly be the very best at at both. And so um, on our side, we take a team approach to that where you work with different VAs in, in different specialties. If you're hiring a virtual assistant on your own and not through an agency, I think it's important to, to think about that too. It might seem sort of easier to hire a virtual assistant that can be a Jack or Jane of all trades. It's really going to be more worth your money if you're hiring in the specialty areas. Some tasks that you should not be outsourcing to your VA. With that said, you can outsource a lot to your VA. Um, I mentioned social media and bookkeeping, but things like um, customer service, um, your email marketing, just your email management, managing your inbox, scheduling, all of that. But I think the most important thing that you should not be outsourcing to your virtual assistant involves your strategy and your vision for the business. So if you're the entrepreneur, that's something that only you can do. Think about where you want the business to go in the next quarter, in the next year, in the next three years. Um, And when you figure that out, you can certainly share that with your virtual assistant. And I, I think you should because it it just gets you guys on the same page and on the same trajectory. I think that's something that you definitely don't want to outsource to a VA. I do like that you mentioned though, within saying that, that it is something good to share with your VA and whoever else you may have on your team so that they know the direction that you are headed and that you, what you want to achieve. But yeah, I completely agree with that. So, all right. My last question for you, which I think anybody listening who's thinking, okay, maybe a VA is something I might need now or might be needing in the future. Um, where do you go to find a VA? So if you're going the agency approach, um, then you can just look for, you know, some of the top agencies in the industry. And I would definitely recommend interviewing them, talking to a few of their virtual assistants. Again, just making sure that it's the right personality match. Um, If you are looking for a freelancer individual VA, I would talk to others that you work with that are colleagues of yours and See if they have recommendations, whether for someone to hire or maybe they have someone that they would say, don't ever hire this person because then maybe they have expertise in your industry. That just makes things a lot easier from the outset. Would you say referrals are really the best way to go within this or are there certain sites or groups or something like that that you go to as well? I would definitely use um, referrals if you can, because it's great to have someone that has a personal experience. But if not, if you're just looking for, you know, Googling top virtual assistant agencies um, in the U.S., for example, definitely talk to a few of them, at least two, if you have the time, maybe even three virtual assistant agencies, as you just want to find the one that's going to be the right flow for, for your business. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's definitely been a very insightful episode about hiring for your business, which is, you know, a part of hopefully all businesses that (laughs) is essential. So finishing off any last words, last thoughts when it comes to having a business, running a business, VA, everything that we've talked about today. Yeah, I think um, it's something to, to definitely be open to. And again, knowing that maybe a virtual assistant can do things, um, you know, a little bit maybe better or faster than you. And I think that once you can realize those things, you can really make a lot of progress um, with your business. Awesome. Thank you. So where can people find you and your agency online? They can find us just by going to virtualassistusa.com is our website, and we'd be happy to um, to help you there. And then all of those inquiries, um, they go directly to me. So I would have a call with the person and, and could answer any questions that they would have. 
You've just listened to the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. If anything from this episode stuck out to you, I would appreciate if you take a screenshot and share this episode on your socials. Of course, be sure to tag me. Don't forget to leave a review for the podcast that seriously helps out the show and helps it out with discoverability. I would really appreciate you leaving a review, sharing on your socials if this episode truly stuck out to you, and I will see you in next week's episode.